You never know. Anywhere out in the woods, you might find ticks. And those ticks, they could take a chomp out of you. And if that happens, well, Lyme disease isn't the only thing that we've got to be thinking about. Timothy Sly is a professor emeritus in the Faculty of Community Services in the School of Occupational and Public Health at Toronto Metropolitan University and joins us now. Professor Sly, how are you? I'm very well, Mike. Excellent. When we talk ticks, we always equate ticks with Lyme disease. Are we kind of cutting the list short as to what ticks can be carrying when they chomp down on a leg or an arm? Absolutely. Uh, There's a list of about, oh, I think last time I looked, there's about 18 or 19 completely different diseases that can be carried by ticks. And what we're beginning to find out is that many ticks carry more than one disease at any one time. So uh, this is sort of a double risk there. So we are always told when you're bitten by a tick, you might not notice, but if you have kind of that bullseye around a bite, that's a thing to look for. If a tick is not carrying Lyme disease, will that kind of a reaction still be present on the skin? No, you're talking, of course, about Lyme disease, and that takes a little while to develop, and it's one of those things that is characteristic. But, you know, a lot of those other diseases, like, for example, the one that uh, we're talking about a little bit more now, babesiosis, and some other ones I can throw in there, anaplasmosis and ehrlichiosis, uh, these uh, have a more sort of a vague uh, slate of symptoms that don't seem to follow any particular pattern, but they can be quite debilitating for some people if, in fact, you have them. Uh, You know, the typical things like aches and pains and headaches and sometimes diarrhea and sometimes fatigue. Uh, And in case of immune-compromised people, it can be quite serious and even lead to death. We're talking with Dr. Timothy Sly from Toronto Metropolitan University, and we're talking about ticks and what we need to know. So if that bullseye's not there, because that's always the thing you want to look for, is there any way to know sometimes you've even been bitten by a tick? Well, that's a very good question, Mike, because most of the time we don't know we've been bitten by a tick unless you, unless you do some you know, careful uh, probing of all of your nooks and crannies after you come back from a walk in the woods uh, and from the pets as well. So uh, most of these other diseases, leaving aside Lyme at the moment, uh, we're getting the, they're still quite rare at the moment, but they are increasing, and they've been increasing in Montana and uh, all the New England states and slow, and they're coming into Canada as well. So these are a little less uh, precise in the symptoms, but if you begin to have temperature, for example, and some of the things I mentioned before, aches and pains and fatigues and things like that, then uh, go to the physician, particularly if you've had, uh, uh, you've, you've spent some time in, I don't know, hiking through some tall grass or in the woodlands area and you've been camping, for, for example, in an area where we know these little ticks are, then uh, go with there and, and they'll take a blood test and they, they show up in the blood. These are blood-borne diseases and they show up in the uh, red blood cells and quite characteristically and then they can put you onto some, some, uh, uh, some therapies. And fortunately, with babesiosis, uh, uh, they are not difficult to to cure, but you need to get them before it's uh, serious. 
Yeah, and it, it sounds like it can be difficult to identify that you should even go in for one of those tests. I mean, we don't want to be running in for a test every time we go out in the woods, but what are what are we looking for? Will the tick often attach itself to us? Sometimes you hear the head will get stuck and lodged in you. It, is that something that we look for? Yeah, it is, and of course the the ones that are difficult to uh, to detect are the tiniest ones, and they're the most abundant ones, and they're the ones where that seem to spread a lot of disease, particularly in the in the early summer, around where we are now, June and July. Uh, but uh, what's contributing to this, of course, is the, is the very mild winters we've been having. That we rely on a good good crunchy winter to kill off a lot of these insects, and we we haven't had those uh, those. Uh, deadly uh, winters for quite a while now. But yes, they, they tick. You don't feel it half the time, and most of the time you don't. It's got an anesthetic built into it, and the little tick burrows its, its head parts into your skin, and it feeds in there. It takes, fortunately, though, if you can find it and pull it out gently with a pair of sharp uh, forceps or tweezers, you don't, don't grab the body of the tick, to, uh, because that might squirt some of the contents of it back into you again. Grab it as close to the skin as you can possibly can and pull it directly out in the way that it's gone in. And slowly, steadily, you'll get it all the way out. But fortunately, uh, it needs to be attached for about 36 or 48 hours before it's going to infect you. So if you can find it and pull it out within a day of having been, you know, picking up the thing and having been bitten, you're probably not going to be infected. That's fascinating. And that's Dr. Sly, I don't think we've ever heard that before. We're talking with Dr. Timothy Sly, and we're talking ticks. I don't think we've ever heard that before, that a tick needs a lot of time. I'm thinking this is like a mosquito, and if it just bites you and hops off and goes off to its next victim, you're infected. You're telling us it needs to be there a while. Yeah, it needs to be there quite a few hours, probably at least 24, usually 36 to 48 hours before it, it's going to be. And you remember, the tick will be on there. Have you ever found any in your pets, for example? Look in their ears. You know, a dog is running away in the long grass. So ticks like to end up inside the ears where nobody really finds them. And they, they feed in there. And by the time you find them, they've swollen up to the size of a small marble because of all the blood they've been ingesting. Yeah, mosquitoes, uh, the moment they put their proboscis into your skin, they squirt some some uh, some saliva into there that keeps the blood flowing, and that's where the infection is, but not with the ticks. Dr. Sly, as a final note, you mentioned that a good Canadian winter can help to control a tick population. We've had some mild winters, and who knows, they're now predicting that 2024 could be another mild year on the calendar, period. So... If we're starting to get milder winters and the ticks and their populations are maybe thriving because of that, is there anything else that can be done to take back the population just a little bit? It's not like we can go hunting these things. Yes, there's no vaccines for them as yet. Uh, all you can do is prevent and be aware. In other words, if you're going into a hiking, just get your clothing sprayed with a permethrin spray. It's a long-acting uh, anti-insect. Uh, this isn't an insect. It's an arachnid, but the same kind of thing. Put permethrin spray on your clothing. Tuck your pants into your socks. Light-colored clothing, because you can see these things crawling up your leg. Uh, inspect you and the pets when you come back from this thing, and watch out because the, the winter is becoming uh, milder, the summer is becoming hotter. We're moving into climate change, and we can expect far more of this kind of thing. Doctor Sly, always enjoy speaking with you. Thank you so much for the time today. My pleasure, Mike. Take care.